You're listening to the Seabreeze Church Podcast. Well, good morning. Hope you're all doing well. Like Bevan said, my name is Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here. On Sundays, you'll see me either up here getting to be on the worship team or hanging out with the students over in the new student building. But this morning, I'm really excited to get to speak to you all. Now, we just started a series where we're looking at the book of Psalms. We're calling it Unshaken. And with all that shakes us to the core in life, what we really need is to be strengthened by a source that comes from outside of ourselves. The Psalms gives us prayers and songs written by honest people, people trying to navigate the hardship and the suspense that we experience in life, all while be completely confident in who God is and what he's done. Now, the psalmists knew how to find solid ground to stand on so they can instruct how we should turn to God when we don't know what to do. Today, we're looking specifically at Psalm 46 as we try to understand what it looks like to be unshaken by uncertainty. That's the goal today. And so I went to college in Oklahoma. It's where I grew up all my life. I lived in the same house before I went to school. And in college, I met a lot of friends from California, and they talked about earthquakes the same way I talked about tornadoes. They happen, not a huge deal, you know, they're part of life. And I honestly thought, like, the ground's shaking a little bit, like, come on, guys, how is this a big deal? That is until I moved here, and I experienced one for myself. I heard it was a small one, but I'll never forget. I was, li- I was in my living room, we had just moved here, we'd been here a few months, and we lived on the second story. We had really high ceilings, and in our, in our kitchen, there was a cable that held our light. It was really long. And then all of a sudden, a small earthquake started. It was one of those rolling ones where you feel like you're riding a wave. And when I realized what had happened, honestly, I was shaken for a lot longer than the ground was. And I realized at that moment that I took the stability of the ground for granted living in Oklahoma. I thought it was just solid. Like in Oklahoma, tornadoes, they come from up there. In the clouds, like, we don't build our houses on those. So, (laughs) needless to say, I was a little shaken up. I didn't like being uncertain about the ground. And it turns out it was a baby earthquake, okay? You probably didn't even feel it if you were here five years ago. But I just didn't like being uncertain about the ground that I walked on every day. So the question today is, earthquake or not, How do we move forward in the midst of uncertainty when things that seem certain all of a sudden aren't? In those moments in life where it just spins out of control, what do we do? Now, I've noticed that when certainty and control are thrown out the window, we usually experience fear and worry. But why? Well, I think it's because we want to know what's around each corner. We like to be certain about the future. But the scary part of being out of control is that is the uncertainty of what will happen next. I mean, whether it's a close call while you're driving, maybe at work your boss changes, or someone you care about gets sick, the thing that causes most of our worry and uncertainty about the future is we wonder, like, how it's going to turn out. What's going to happen? That worry, it can last maybe a few seconds when the car comes to stop and you realize you're okay, maybe a few minutes or, or possibly months or years we can live with that. But in the oh-no moment, We're looking for certainty, what's going to happen. We want to know. We assume that the answer to uncertainty is a guarantee or certainty, control. The problem with that is that it sets us up for disappointment because certainty is not possible. 
Life in general is mostly uncertain, and the future is totally uncertain. We have no idea really what's going to happen. Just when we think we know what to expect, something suddenly strikes outside of our control. This is one of the devastating things about natural disasters. And ask any parenting, any parent, if they were to... to Ask them if they understand how uncertain things are. The answer would be a resounding yes. I mean, kids' lives are constantly changing, and parents are trying to navigate them through all these constant life changes. I mean, it's hard to keep up. Honestly, the problems that my oldest daughter is dealing with already are larger than I can control or completely protect her from. And she's nine. You know, like... There's a lot of uncertainty in parenting. And there's economic, financial uncertainty as well. The list could go on and on. And I know it's not just me. We don't like to be out of control. In an uncertain world, we desire certainty that we just can't create for ourselves. We can't make it happen. So what should we do with the uncertain nature of life? Well, here's what we want to do. We want to find a way to protect ourselves. This isn't new for thousands of years. This was literally done by building fortresses or strongholds. I recently found an article showcasing some of the greatest fortresses that are still in existence. And so I want to share a few of my favorites with you. The first one you'll see behind me is the Nikal Fort in Oman, Jordan. What's really interesting about this, you can see it's built on a boulder, so it's not perfectly symmetrical. This next one is a castle in Germany. I think it's beautiful and also terrifying. It's built on a hill surrounded by these trees and these high walls. It looks very protected. And then actually, my favorite of the lot is the Edinburgh Castle in Scotland. You know, this one just looks like it's seen some things, you know? It goes back to at least the 12th century. Even the ground that it's sitting on sounds epic. It's been there so long, this hill is just called Castle Rock. Why? Because there's a castle on the rock. It's been there that long. So... They're built to offer security and safety. For thousands of years, cities have created walls or they've built forts and fortresses to protect them from outsiders invading armies. And the truth is, we each do this with our own lives. Our fortresses aren't usually literal buildings. They're things like our future plans, you know, our education or our profession. You know, if I get this degree or this job, then my future will be secure. I don't have to worry about it. It will be certain. Maybe it's retirement. Maybe you're diligently saving for retirement, putting your hope in that. Or maybe you're in retirement, putting hope in the bank account. For some people, the fortress they build is an expert opinion. Maybe you have, like, the best doctors. So you just know that if something goes wrong, you have the right people and the right place to fix it. Some of us build a fortress out of our family and friends. We think, you know, I can always count on my family and my friends. They're not going anywhere. They've always got my back. Or maybe you take the more traditional fortress approach and literally find the safest neighborhood possible with the gated community. Maybe you don't want to live in that part of town, you know. These are all good things, but they're not stable fortresses. They don't actually hold up to the uncertainty that life really brings. So my question for all of you what is your favorite fortress? Maybe it's on this list. Maybe it's not. I encourage you to think about what you're building your life on, what fortresses you look to when things get uncertain. And then ask, does it seem stable? What's the condition of your fortress right now? Is it stable? Does it need some repair? 
Eventually, all man-made fortresses break down, like this one. They deteriorate and crumble, and that is a sobering reality. That fortress isn't doing so good. And if we're honest with ourselves, we know that the fortresses we build ourselves, I mean, they're not secure. They're more like sandcastles that need constant upkeep. Yes, I picked the worst sandcastle I could find on the internet. (laughs) My son could take that castle down with a plastic bat, and he's three and adorable. So (laughs) if we're going to move into the future with confidence, we need more than our man-made fortresses. We need a refuge that will last. Psalm 46, it points to a truth about God that should give us hope and courage to move into our uncertain future. I'd like to read it for all of us, and then we'll walk through it. And this is Psalm 46, 1 through 11, the entire chapter. It says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So the first takeaway from this is that in uncertainty, God wants to be our refuge. In the first three verses, we see that God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Now, this passage, it gives a hypothetical worst-case scenario. I mean, the ground is sinking and the mountains are crumbling into the sea. Imagine if we woke up tomorrow and the mountains that surround us were being violently tossed into the sea. The waters of our coast were foaming and roared as the mountains shook. That's frightening. How on earth can you wake up to that scenario and not be afraid? Well, you need to have a strong refuge for one. Because the strength of our refuge, the refuge we seek in times of trouble, it determines how well we come out on the other side. If we run to a flimsy refuge, one that doesn't hold up to mountain-melting pressure, we crumble inside since it doesn't hold up. When we need to be strong, we're just not. In our retirement plans and homeowner's insurance, they don't stand up to mountain-dissolving levels of devastation. When we're faced with trouble, fear thrives because we've turned to a weak refuge. And if a strong one didn't exist, I mean, that would be devastating. However, we do have a strong refuge, and he wants the job of protecting us. In fact, God wants to be our only refuge. And this should be encouraging to each one of us, because God sees what's going on. Even in the worst-case scenario, he looks and says, you know, I'm up for the task, and I want the job. That's amazing. He wants us to turn to him when trouble strikes. He doesn't want us to shy away. He's completely aware of what's happening. Even earth-shattering, nations-raging type of trouble, that's actually an environment where God's protection thrives. 
Maybe, I don't know for you, but maybe you're looking at your life right now, you're thinking, you're like, oh, Andrew, I'm doing pretty good. Well, it's helpful to remember that we are all responding to trouble and difficulty on some level most days, and most of our days. Whether what troubles you is just a little annoyance or a big deal, uncertainty and trouble, they lurk in the future, and we can't avoid it. They're part of our days. So God wants to give us the strength we need to face it. Psalm 46, it's a promise that Christ followers can hold on to in the middle of trouble of any scale, small or huge. God himself will be our strength and our ever-present help. The word strength here is interesting. It means that he will give you the fortitude to deal with the trouble the right way. We want a fortress to protect us, but God wants to give us the fortitude to follow him and do what's right. Now, fortitude, it's just courage in adversity. He wants us to be able to to move into the future with his strength that he provides. And God's way, it might not be the easiest way, but it will be the right way. Your knees might knock the whole time, but they won't buckle. That's what it means that God wants to give us strength to do things his way. The ever-present help, it's a combination of words in the original Hebrew that mean he will meet you right now and provide what you need. He's not far away, where if you call on him, it takes a few days. He's right there. Now, again, this is not necessarily the help that you want, but it's the help you need, the help to choose God's way and respond the right way. So when any uncertainty pops up in our life, we're really left with a simple choice. Are we going to turn to God for help, or are we going to turn away from him? If we turn to God in the middle of uncertainty, we actually can find joy and delight. Now, in the middle of this psalm, in Psalm 46, verses 4 through 5, it describes a city where God and his people live. And it's a place of delight because God is there. He protects it and provides it for this city and the people. And I thought in the middle of this passage, that's such an interesting image to include of this city who's receiving water from streams. So let's, let's look. In verses 4 through 5, it says, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Basically, this is painting the picture that because of the verses surrounding it are filled with the turmoil and difficulty, that that there might be turmoil going on out there. But if we acknowledge God's presence and we enjoy him, we tap into his resources. And as God's people, we get to experience like many sources of joy and God's resources There are many streams that come from that river that bring us joy, but one of his favorite joy sources is the church. It's the people God has given us. So if you want to receive the blessing and protection and help, we need to stay connected to those God has placed in our lives who are his method of of actually providing it. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25 says this. It says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So when uncertainty pops up, many like to withdraw from this source of joy and help, but it's actually joy-inducing to be a part of a people who are actively looking to spur one another on toward living God's way. We can't do this if we're not together or if we're withdrawn from the group, either outwardly or inwardly. God's design really is for us to find encouragement and perspective through the church. You know, my family, 
has benefited greatly from being a part of a church. My experience has been that, that lousy decisions can sound really good in my head until I say them out loud to someone I trust. About four years ago, my wife and I were trying to decide if we were done having kids. We lived here for about a year. We had three kids at the time. We just thought, man, that feels like a lot. It's a lot of kids. We're worn out. They're going to get expensive. And honestly, we were concerned that people would look at us weird for having so many kids because nowadays four is the new eight. So <laughs> the uncertainty of future finances, no, it's real. Four is, it is. Just go outside with four kids. The uncertainty, though, of future finances or energy or other people's reaction really made us say no pretty quickly without thinking about it. We didn't even really go through the decision-making process. We just were like, yeah, we're tired. We have three. That's a lot. That's enough. We're done. And we even told people we were done. But I decided, you know, I'm going to meet up with an older, wiser dad from Seabreeze to talk about the decision. And then really through the process... He just said, well, don't let finances or your energy level make the decision for you. And I was like, huh, yep, that's what I'm doing. So that challenged me, and it made me realize that I was using like, the uncertainty of the future, specifically like finances and energy, to say no without really including God and asking him. I let uncertainty cause me to leave God behind in the decision-making process, and the church helped bring God back in. And ultimately, we decided to have another kid. Like, if I would have made that decision outside of community with just my wife, like, we would have missed the blessing that our son is to us. Like our other kids, he's a tremendous joy. And looking back, you know, I would have missed out on such a blessing that my son is. So, when things get tough, that's actually time to lean into the church, not bug out. Uncertainty and trouble, they're a team sport. We all experience it, so, so let's go to God and his people for help. It's really what he wants. In the moment when trouble starts, though, like how do you practically choose to do this? I, I get the idea sounds really good. But in the moment when something goes wrong, how do you at that time just say, okay, God, I trust you? How, how does that process start of, of turning to him? Well, at the end of this chapter, God gets pretty clear. In, in verses 10 through 11, he says this. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So the word be still, it literally means stop all activity. When things go wrong, usually our first impulse is to start trying to figure out how to fix it. We get really busy. But the best thing God is saying that we can do is to pause. Pause and do nothing? No. Be still and no. He is God. The word know, it means observing experience. He's literally saying, stop and think about the ways that God has provided for you in the past. Look at your life and see his faithfulness. Go back and remember his faithfulness towards you. If you have verses that you've memorized, recite those verses about who he is and what he's done. And if you don't know any, like search through the scriptures to find out. What you'll see is that you need to remember that he is, he is over all things and that he is with you, and he works for your good daily. So when trouble strikes, the practical thing to do is just to take a moment as soon as you can to pause, look up, and pray for God to help you with your perspective. The uncertain nature of the future, it's a sobering reality that really should cause us to, to turn to God, to trust him more. 
Corey Tinboom, a World War II concentration camp survivor and devout Christ follower, famously said, Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. I mean, can you imagine what God could do with a group of people who believe that? If we can have this type of confidence, nothing we face can overcome us. Nothing unknown can overcome the God who, who we can know and who is all we need. That's amazing. May God allow us to be people who live this out and offer hope to those struggling with their own uncertainty of life and the future. Well, speaking of uncertainty about the future, <laughs> something really exciting is happening among our network of churches, and we thought it would be appropriate to end our time today actually getting to celebrate what God is doing within our network of churches. As many of you know, we partner with a group of churches called the 176 Network, and one of our missions is to work together to plant more churches. Josh De La Rosa, he's a lead pastor of a church in a network called Orange Crest Community Church. You'll hear it called OCC. They launched a new church a few years ago in Santa Clarita called Valley Lights Church, and they're currently launching another church in Reno, Nevada. This one's going to be called Pathfinder Church. They're sending out one of their pastors. His name is Scott Lamberth to be the lead pastor. And they're also sending a launch team with him to get the church going. There are going to be six people on the launch team. Five will be from Orange Crest, and one is going to be from here at Seabreeze. Our very own Jonathan Graham, he's on staff with us. He's moving to Reno early July to be on the launch team. There was a commissioning service a few weeks ago, and they showed a video about the church plant. This is a video that was made for Orange Crest Community Church, but we wanted to show this to you guys so you can be aware of what's happening as we celebrate. So let's watch this video together. Since day one, we wanted to be a multiplying congregation. Our church, we began in 2007 when we came 45 minutes from Church in the Valley in Diamond Bar with a launch team to plant this church. It was in their DNA to see more churches planted. And then later, after we've been going for over 10 years, in 2020, we sent out our very first church plant to Santa Clarita, led by Bruce Wood and his wife and their family, along with a launch team. You can see the picture right here that we sent out from OCC. And I'm excited to announce that we're ready to do this again. Hey OCC, I'm Scott Lamberth, one of the pastors on staff here. And I'm Penny Lamberth. We've been a part of OCC since the beginning. We raised our kids here. We thought we would never leave OCC. Then God surprised us with a call to plant a church in Reno, Nevada in June of 2023. Penny and I had already began having many conversations about church planning, but God really, really made it clear when I was on a plane with Pastor Josh coming home from a two-day vision trip to check out the opportunity to plant a church in Reno. And all the events that really kind of culminated to this experience began to flash into focus in my mind, starting actually with a prayer I made in my early 20s for God to allow me to be a part of a church culture that actually took serious his mandate to develop mature followers of Jesus. 
And for the first 10 years of planting OCC, our desire was to give this church our whole heart. And we actually never considered leaving. Watching this experience and knowing that many communities in the Western United States only have enough room in evangelical churches for about 10 to 20% of the population really grew our desire to church plant. The location of Reno was a surprise to us. Scott tried to get a call for somewhere closer, but God kept pointing us back to the north <laughs> and specifically to Reno in a variety of different ways. Depending upon which list you look at, Reno is in the top 10 cities in the U.S. that is unchurched. Lifeway Research has it listed as number two, right under the San Francisco Bay Area. So, I'm sitting on this flight with Josh, and I am ready to say yes. I asked God if we, he would provide a final confirmation. And no joke, moments later, Josh leaned over and said, I don't know if you need any confirmation <laughs> but if you need to hear from me on this I think you should do it and I was like thank you Lord so I came home and I shared the experience of my findings with Penny and then I asked Penny one last time to clarify her desire to move to Reno to leave our church to leave our friends to leave our adult children and our potential grandchildren and she said if this is what God wants then yes Hey everyone, we're moving to Reno. That's exciting. Well, Johnny, excuse me, Jonathan. <laughs> I've, I've asked Jonathan to join me on stage to give a little insight into what led to the decision for him to go, what his life is going to look like once he moves, and then how we can support him as he goes. And so, Jonathan, the big question is why? I mean, you have a job, you're a part of a church, your family's here. What, what would make you want to go? Yeah, I'm not, wasn't dying to leave here <laughs> at all. <laughs> I did not want to leave here, um, so this is not me trying to get out of California at all. Like, I, I've been here my whole life, I wanted... I want to stay here, but and I wanted to, but uh, I believe that the church is God's primary way of getting the gospel spread throughout the whole world, and um, that we need more churches and places that don't have churches and don't have as many churches. Like we need to plant more, and I had already kind of felt a call even before I had heard about this opportunity to go to Reno. I had already felt a call to at some point in the future be part of a church plant. Um, I didn't know what that would look like or. When that would be, and I was already that was something I'd kind of been navigating, but then um, I heard about the opportunity to go to Reno, and I was asked to consider it. And at first, my answer in my mind was no. They gave me some time to think about it, but um, one verse that stood out to me um, in my quiet times was Romans ten fourteen through fifteen, and it says, "How then will they call on him who have not believed? How are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching?" And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So when I had heard about like the stats that um, Scott and Penny had mentioned, um, and I had talked on the phone with Scott, and he laid out his vision for it, it made a lot of sense to me. And I felt God tugging on my heart and um, calling me to go where I actually think uh, it would um, be disobedient for me not to go. Because uh, when I heard about the experiences that Scott had had when he checked out Reno, it sounds like people are starving for, 
for the church and true community. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so when you're there, what will your time look like? What, what's the commitment you've made? And then what will be the focus of your time when you're there? Yeah, so essentially we're going there to work normal jobs and live normal lives. Um, so we're all going to be working a job. We're not on staff at the church, but um, we're going to, we have to make our weekends available to do um, things related to the church. So the jobs that we have there, we have to um, organize our time around the church. So um, basically like work like a Monday through Friday job. And um, usually one night a week, um, we'll do something related to um, the church plant as well um, and ministry. But uh, we'll also be giving financially to the church to help support um, through the money that we make through our jobs. And then um, just in generally our schedule needs to be uh, uh, where we can really support the church and um, and advance what they're doing. And then in the relationships that we make there, um, we're making friends, but it's it's very uh, ministry-minded, and we're, we're trying to, with the purpose of evangelism and sharing the gospel with them and inviting them to come along to be part of the church. That's exciting. So how can we pray for you and support you as you go? Yeah, so um, just logistically, there's um, uh, things I'm still figuring out related to uh, finances and and uh, moving expenses and and just even trying to figure out where I'm where I'm going to live and so there's still some details that need to be ironed out so pray that that comes together also pray for me to have courage um, there's sadness about leaving here leaving my family leaving this church that I've been at my whole life um, and that's really sad but it's it's exciting um, what the future holds and so pray that I have courage to advance towards the mission and not let that hold me back. And um, also pray for our team as we're really going to be on the front lines um, and the enemy could try to attack that. So pray for spiritual protection for us. Um, and then also just pray for God to be moving in the hearts of people in Reno and that God would bring people in our path while we're there, that we could share the gospel with them and, um, and that they would um, come to know Jesus. Yeah, that's great. Well, Bevan and a few pastors are going to join us here on stage. We'd like to pray for you and send you out. So, so we get the, some of the other pastors up here. Um, in Acts chapter 13, uh, one of the new churches, this is first century stuff, uh, was in Antioch, and they sent out Paul and Barnabas to start new churches. And so this is what the church has always done is starting other churches. In fact, much of the New Testament uh, is named by churches, new churches that had just been started. So in Acts 13, verse 3, we read this. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them, and then they sent them off. So that's what we're going to be doing uh, here to Jonathan. We're going to place our, our hands on him. I'm going to pray. The pastor is going to place their hands on him. But when we place our hands on him, it, it really says two things. Number one, it basically says, we're with you. Uh, our heart's with you. Our prayers are going to be with you. Uh, and then it says another thing. It says that you're going out as a representative of this church. We can't all go to Reno, so uh, Jonathan is going in our behalf, and so he is representing us as we go. So uh, join me as we pray for Jonathan as he gets ready to go. Father, we, we pray. Uh, we pray what the Apostle Paul prayed when he prayed for those who are part of starting a brand-new church in a community called Thessalonica. 
and that, that occurred 2,000 years ago. And so we pray that prayer. We pray that you, by your power, you would fulfill every good purpose of his and the team's and every act prompted by their faith. This is a huge step of faith. It's a good purpose to start a new church, but it's a tremendous step of faith. Um, as he said, he's not sure where he's going to live, doesn't sure what, the, what his job he's going to be able to get. So there's just a lot of uncertainties, the big step of faith. But you are the God by your power as we follow you and we take steps of faith. We see your power at work. Uh, if we play it safe and we don't ever follow you, then we begin to get to think that we're doing everything. So I pray that for Jonathan and for this team and for Scott and Penny as they lead out, that they would see your, your powerful hand uh, come through again and again, provide for them, provide opportunities that this new church would be started and would grow and be able to support itself soon. And then we just pray for some of these particular needs. God, we pray you'd uh, provide a, a place for Jonathan uh, to live as he moves next month there. We, we pray for employment. We pray for the opportunity to meet uh, new people. He said there appears to be a real hunger for community uh, in this, this city. And so I pray, God, that you would help the team to meet new people who are seeking you already, and you would uh, help them to respond to the good news of Jesus and be a part of this new church. So we pray this now, and we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So Jonathan's going to be up front over here. Um, there's a little table with some prayer cards. So if you have the time, come on up. Um, say hi. Encourage him before um, you leave today. Um, if you don't have time, you want to just grab a prayer card on both, um, by both doors, just behind both of these walls. There's uh, prayer cards there. So you can just grab a prayer card, keep it with you, uh, put it on your fridge, whatever you do to help remind yourself of things so that you can be praying for Jonathan and the team as they begin to start uh, this new church. Let's go ahead and stand. We'll sing our final song together and be dismissed. Thanks for listening to the Seabreeze Church podcast. For more information about our church, you can visit our website, seabreezechurch.com. Thanks again for listening in, and we hope you'll join us next week for the Seabreeze Church podcast. <laughs>